dark forces would like Western men to surrender to apathy and give others room to lead. But who are we to trade a hard-fought inheritance of individual freedom and national self-determination for the chains of globalist slavery? Our European ancestors have given us a loan so that we might invest it in a peaceful future. The bankruptcy of the European Union, however, signals that the day has come for us to repay that loan. Once again, we shall have to defend the freedoms we have come to take for granted. We can find plenty of inspiration in a rich history of heroic examples. King Leonidas and his 300 Spartans stopped the Persian hordes at the Battle of the Hot Gates. That wasn't just a movie. In 1939, Greek archaeologist Spiridon Marinatus uncovered numerous bronze arrowheads near Colonos Hill. The arrows he found weren't of Greek origin, but Persian. So the legend was true. The Spartans really had fought in the shade of a Persian onslaught. The subsequent events gave rise to direct democracy and for the first time in history to the official recognition of human beings as individuals with inalienable rights. Europeans wrestled themselves free from the threat of Middle Eastern collectivism. Without the yoke of the masses pulling them down, European explorers embarked on their journey to establish the richest and most powerful civilization on Earth, the West. In the year 732 AD, Charles Martel, Charlemagne's grandfather, defeated the Islamic invasion of Europe at the Battle of Tours, right in the heart of present-day France. It'd be one of many European victories over invading hordes. From the 11th century onward, in order to secure unobstructed passage to Jerusalem, European knights waged several crusades against Muslim robbers who brutally attacked and tortured innocent pilgrims. They were God's battalions. For the first time in history, this shared experience of nine crusades united all Western Europeans. Several centuries later, a Christian coalition rose up once again to defend Europe against hordes of Islamic invaders, the Ottoman Empire. First, they fought at the Siege of Vienna in 1529 and then in 1683 at the Battle of Vienna. Whether today's progressive leftists realize it or not, the creeping Islamization of Europe has given all Europeans from east to west new reasons to unite themselves against the common enemy. In a sense, Islam is the greatest gift Europeans could have ever hoped for. I praise our present leaders for their progressive stupidity. If men living in Europe a thousand years ago could set aside their differences and overcome their language barriers, then what would keep modern-day Europeans from forming a new coalition against the attack on our mutual civilization? Fighting side by side, we could be invincible. For once, the French, the Germans, the Spanish, the Dutch, the British, the Italians, the Polish, the Greek, our Viking friends in the North, the Americans and Canadians from across the Atlantic, along with the rest of the European family from Greenland to Tasmania, we have the opportunity to unite in defense of the West. Despite the rivers of blood flowing through our histories, Europeans emerged from the Dark Ages as victors. The colonial age arrived at our doorstep and we conquered the world. Today, we rightly denounce the Atlantic slave trade and crimes committed against other peoples. But let us not dwell on the past for too long. Everywhere Europeans went, they planted the seeds of civilization, spread modern medicine, introduced the rule of law to end corruption, and promoted modern education. We Europeans are the founders of the first truly global civilization. We Europeans ushered humanity from barbarism into the space age. 
If we still question ourselves whether or not we ought to defend Western values, know that there are billions of people on Earth who can only hope that we do. Instead of losing ourselves in misplaced shame over crimes we didn't commit, Europeans owe it to humanity to defend their civilization against every possible threat, especially against the threats of diversity, liberalism and globalism. Where did things go wrong when a majority of people who've come to live among us as guest workers, asylum seekers or refugees now denounce our hard-fought freedoms and wish to throw our civilization back to feudal times? Where did we go wrong when asylum seekers from afar apply their newly gained voting rights to undermine our rule of law and vote to have it replaced with the laws of a backward desert cult? How should we respond to migrants who, under the guise of equal rights, aggressively demand their right to maltreat women and children? We all know the answers to these questions, but our voices fall silent behind the deafening walls of political correctness. Of course, we should try to help people in need, but if the boundless asylum industry that our officials have invented had really been such a great idea, then how come the numbers of refugees coming into Europe has kept increasing year after year? Shouldn't the source of the problem have been tackled by now? The opposite happened. The stream of refugees didn't dry up, but kept swelling exponentially. In 2015, we were supposed to offer help to just a few thousand refugees, but they came in droves. In 2016, Politicians projected that fewer than 100,000 refugees would cross the borders to Europe, but Germany alone was forced to absorb more than a million migrants. From 2017 onward, refugees were even given the right to family reunifications, while tens of millions more are planning to cross the Mediterranean Sea. We're all immigrants, they say, but most of us didn't descend from refugees. Our European ancestors settled here for over 5,000 years ago to become the Celtic tribes in the west, the Germanics in the north, the Romans and the Greek in the south, and the Slavs to the east. Before that time, our ancestors had lived as wandering nomads, but they hadn't come here as asylum seekers. When our ancestors arrived to Europe, they were met with cold, rainy swamps, yet they managed to turn them into arable lands. The people of Finland still call their country Suomi, the first part, Suo, literally means swamp. Far from being privileged, our forefathers were swamp men, dreaming of a fireplace and a bowl of food. We've earned our privileges. We've earned the right to exist as who we are and not as how others would like us to be. Concerning refugees, more Syrians drowned in the Mediterranean Sea than would have died if they had stayed at home. So why did they come? Why do media pundits smear critics of this dangerous exodus as xenophobes? It seems as if the careers of a cast of asylum lawyers, career consultants and other paid government sock puppets have become so intertwined with open border politics that the mere thought of losing their subsidized incomes makes their heads explode. But that won't stop them from accusing those trying to solve the problem of being racists. Cowards who trade our freedoms for the refugee camps of the welfare state want us to believe in the Swedish solution called life without struggle. They call their politics inclusive, but it excludes white people. Their mantra goes, let immigrants rape your children and maybe they'll kill you last. As long as newcomers get what they want, and as long as we accept that they'll never embrace our values, then hopefully we won't offend them too much and maybe they'll leave us alone. As long as we avoid each and every conflict, asylum seekers will one day be cured of their backward ways and learn to love us. A Dutch poet once wrote, a people who submit to tyranny shall lose more than life and property, then darkness falls. 
Admittedly, the defense of our values will put a great toll on us, but history tells us that the greatest danger lies in the politics of inclusion. Our progressive friends refuse to acknowledge that, and so they leave us no choice but to flee to the front. Because if we continue to pamper immigrants, then someday we'll have to become refugees ourselves. And then what? What are we going to do when the descendants of a gang of 7th century robbers finds out that we're too cowardly to defend ourselves? Our leaders have signaled to the whole world that they don't find the defense of Western civilization worthwhile. They say we should surrender our identities, our cultures and our nations to a global collective in exchange for short-term profits. Our politicians even say we should feel ashamed for being white. But if we continue to sell our souls to the devil and cling to the politics of self-loathing, it will weaken us to the point where we won't even be able to defend ourselves against a common flu. Unlike the rest of the world, Europeans have no place to flee to. That means we have no choice but to stay put and make a stand. Our ancestors understood that it's better to die a thousand deaths than to let the enemy have his way. It's foolish and cowardly to cherish the hope that if we only give in to the will of the enemy, he'll someday learn to love us. You and I are not foolish cowards. We dare to say to those who hate us, if you want us to throw down our weapons, then come and get them.